0: Welcome back. You're watching Stockwatch with me, Julieta Televi. And joining me tonight, uh, hopefully Alex Day from Mutombo Wealth and Jonathan Fisher from PSG Wealth, Sand and Grayson, uh, to take your stock-related questions. Please be sure to send those to us. You can SMS 41392, email stockwatch at today, or tweet us at TV using the hashtag Stockwatch. Uh, Jonathan, I'll start with you. We, uh, we have got Alex um, joining us. It's just um, there's, there's an issue with sound. Um, not too bad a day on the, the JSE today, up about uh, six-tenths of a percent, the all Index. Um, um, there is the Jackson Hole uh, <laughs> Symposium taking place at the end of the week, which is where all the central bankers of the world gather. Uh, is that going to have a bearing on markets? Do you think? Do you think people will really wait to see what comes out of that? Or, you know, have we heard what central bankers have to say?
1: You know, the market always uh, likes to take uh, the cue from, especially the Fed and uh, any. Um, Idea or inclination about rates, uh, interest rate hikes, um, whether it's at Jackson Hole or whether it's the Fed uh, Market Committee meetings. Um, you know, we as market uh, followers and investors always do, um, you know, take take what uh, the Fed says at the Jackson Hole and other gatherings. So, you know, just getting back to your point, it's nice to see um, our market. Um, having a, a big jump as it did today, I mean the last couple of days. In fact, I think last week and even in the the previous week, it was eight consecutive days of losses. Yeah. So. Mm. You know, it's, uh, it's nice to see a lot of green on the screen for a change.
0: <laughs> for a change, indeed. Um, for a change. Jonathan, and while we wait for Alex to join us, and before mm-hmm. I get to questions, um, one of the stocks that did go green was Tungela, and we had Zanati was talking to and Lovu, the CEO of the company, uh, just before we uh, started Stockwatch. You know, in the context of what's happened to coal prices and what's happened to transnets, did you think it was a decent result? I mean, how else would you explain the fact that the the share rallied 5% today, notwithstanding the decline in headline earnings?
1: Yeah, you know, Juliette, I mean, the numbers were not good. Um, and I think the market's been expecting it. I was taking a look at uh, the coal price over the last two or three years. And at the beginning of last year, the price per ton of coal was 432 dollars. Right, it's now sitting at 116 dollars a ton. So, if one looks at the share price of Tungela, um, it's got a similar trend to the coal price, and it has been following that trend quite closely. Just looking at the numbers, um, you know, on the face of it, it just it just doesn't look good. Yeah, the the revenue for the first half was um, 26 billion rand sorry this was last year first half 26 billion rand versus 14.3 billion rand this year um yeah. the operating costs um were actually slightly up um at 10.6 billion from 10.1 billion um bringing them to net profit for the period this first half of 3 billion versus 9.6 billion. So that's down 69% on profit for the half year. Headline earnings per share um, were down to 22.46 a share from 67.23. Um, <clears throat> excuse but, me. The yeah. dividend. Um,
0: but but Jonathan, just the, to interrupt yeah. you because I think people have seen those numbers already. I mean, right, um, right, yes. Y- you know, you were talking about an exceptional period for the coal markets. Uh, you had Correct. geopolitical events, the Ukraine war, which is ongoing, but it, it completely shocked uh, in energy markets internationally. So it was kind of a one-hit wonder, if you like. Um, so notwithstanding that, and, and so the declines, you have to put the context around the declines in earnings. From this point, would you Papa. invest in Tungela? Uh, you know, they have committed to pay out a third of their earnings in dividend. They are investing right. in the company... There is the possibility of share buybacks, or they they kind of push that out today. Um, So, on the basis of what you see today, and if you had to say coal prices will remain where they are today, would you buy them or not?
1: So, the short answer, the short answer, Juliet, is no, Um, and purely because I mean, it's a very difficult business because you got to manage your fixed costs, and I mean, the operating cost was up slightly. So, you know, I guess if these guys um, when I say these guys, if the team hit by uh, Mr. Ndlovu can um, produce coal more efficiently, um, you know, with the help of Transnet, you know, that's out of their hands. Yeah. Then I'd say that uh, it, it might be a buy. But I think, for me, the biggest the biggest question is what is that coal price going to do, which is out of their control, really. So they can control their costs. They can become more efficient. Um, and push coal out um, at a rapid rate, you know, depending on um, transport logistics, which which is a concern.
0: Yeah. Okay. Then let me get to questions. Does that, that make sense? <laughs> it does. Perfect sense. I, I guess it's, uh, you know, it's it's one's call. Cool. Um, we had results from Kuro today. I know they're a PSG-aligned mm-hmm. company, but the question is actually on Stadio, uh, and we did talk about right. it last week. Um, and the, the question is, seeing that private tertiary education is more in demand, is Stadio a stock to consider at these levels of, of around five rand, with the prospect of being somewhere <laughs> around AdvTech in future, especially with the news of UNISA having been investigated from financial maladmi- maladministration and a lot of distant learners airing their dissatisfaction with UNISA's service? Um, Jonathan, I, I, in fact, actually, we, we spoke about it with a couple of other people recently, Is Stadio the obvious beneficiary uh, from from this?
1: I would think so. I mean, look, uh, you know, just just to put uh, your viewers' mind at rest, it is a sister company of PSG. um, So, you know, my view on it is completely objective. Um, Having said that, I think Stadio came out, (laughs) excuse me, with a a business update uh, around about June. And if I'm not mistaken, I think their student growth was 8%. um, And what they said in those um in that operational update was that distant learning um on student numbers was a steady growth of 10 percent um i'm guessing the results so they haven't released the results yet the results should be released i'm guessing around about the end of this month they released results 30th of august last year mm-hmm. so you know one the, the share price has done quite well over the last uh, of the last month two three months so it's probably in anticipation of a decent set of numbers um but yes i guess you know with unisa folding unfortunately as it has stadio would be a clear winner um mm. in terms of picking up the pieces then and getting more students uh, on board
0: yeah uh there's a question that's i suppose it's a little bit um i'm not sure yeah, there's no stock-related part of this, but uh, but but let's let's give it a crack anyway. And the viewer says, okay. I have I have to ask a BRICS-related question because they're on our doorstep now. I believe that it offers right. enormous potential to our economy, but after 15 years, hasn't really delivered anything of note. What do your guests think, um, Jonathan? Uh, yeah, is it a, a sort of a slightly unanswerable question? Um, and it is fair to say that you're not. There's no. Um, obvious correlation between us being in the gr- BRICS grouping which we sort of forced ourselves into uh, and uh, any result on our economy or, or am I being too cynical about this?
1: Probably a bit cynical. I mean, uh, you know, President Ramaphosa wants to um, increase membership uh, of BRICS um, without getting too political. I don't think Iran is the right partner to have,
0: but nevertheless <laughs> no,
1: soviet. <laughs> um Just getting back to the viewers' question on has it benefited us? You know, one must remember China is a huge, huge consumer of our commodities, uh, specifically coal and iron ore. So China does um, pull a lot of our commodities, um, you know, from South Africa and does benefit um, other ancillary industries within the country. Um, and I think that, that is the big, the big BRICS, um, what's the word, uh, plus for South Africa, having China as a partner, um, you know, to suck up all our resources. Mm. Um, unfortunately, you know, we've seen China, um, economic growth slowing down to some extent, and that hasn't helped resource prices. In fact, uh, resource prices, as we've seen this year, have been, going down, and this has negatively impacted um, most of our resource companies.
2: Mm. So,
1: you know, it's uh, as far as resource companies go, it's a difficult space to be in. But without China, and I think it goes for the whole world, Julieta, without China consuming all those resources, and to some extent India as well, uh, on the coal side, um, you know, it, it, it would... The demand for our resources wouldn't be as high as they are currently.
0: Alex uh, we were chatting about the fact that after eight days of relentless selling, we actually had um, a bit of a break on on the JSE today. Uh, are you a bit comforted by the fact that we close in positive territory or uh, and and people actually maybe coming in to buy shares that are so beaten down that they're just screaming
2: bargains? Oh, it's just like my camera just overworked. It does seem like we're all on holiday. Um, so I think at the moment, the market is, is causing, forcing us to want to take a break. Um, Whenever there's a seller, obviously, you know, most start picking up. Um, uh, I think risks are also picking up quite materially. Um, if you look at the data we've been seeing from Asia, specifically China, has been very, very bad. Um, you know, so I think uh, certainly some investors are cautious on, on the third and fourth quarter. Quarter yeah. ahead. For the the year. And if you look at the global investors, there was a survey done recently, I think it was from uh, Bank of America, showing that cash holdings is at record levels. So that shows a lot of fund managers are sitting on sidelines as well, waiting for a bit of a pullback. So it's certainly a very testing time for, for, for anyone that wants to be involved in the markets, but um, that also creates opportunity, right? So whenever certain businesses get sold off to certain levels, you would like to pounce on it. But hmm. I think uh, you know, having any balance of investing and the right stocks, and also having some money for opportunities is very, very important.
0: Yeah. Um, Jonathan, I'll get back to you in a moment. But Alex, we were talking about uh, a viewer sent us a question about. Whether or not we're seeing any benefit from our alliance with the BRICS, um, it, you know, it would be very interesting to to see if you had any thoughts on whether there are particular shares that have benefited from it. Jonathan was talking about the fact that, you know, having China um, as a buddy, as a trading buddy, is very important for us given how much iron ore and coal uh, we ship to China. But just on that, um, on China, th- they had a, a small interest rate cut today, which wasn't as big as what people were hoping for. Um, do you think the, in other words, this is going to keep um, commodity prices quite depressed as a result?
2: Yes, uh, In China, everyone's expecting to do stimulus, uh, either for fiscal or monetary policy, and doesn't really hasn't really come to the fore. And as a result, we're seeing the massive weakening in China. And I think the fact that China data isn't always the most accurate they perhaps are hiding one or two things there. Um, uh, we're starting to see some evidence of that now. That, for example, the youth unemployment number is something they don't want to disclose anymore, yeah. and that tells you that you're hiding stuff, right? Um, so certainly that does feed through to commodity demand, um, specifically over the short term. Um, and then we see... seeing rhodium, for example, is behind tremendous pressure this year, probably due to what's happening in, in China. So it's going kind to of massive negative seed through to South Africa, yeah. Uh, regarding BRICS, I mean, South Africa. Might not like it, but most of our trade is still with Europe and the United yeah. States and a little bit of China. So, BRICS doesn't really add value. I mean, Russia I think is like one percent of our exports, or, so it's, it's a bit it's negligible to be quite frank. So, BRICS at the moment is more, um, I guess, an event to come together than actual actual economic benefit from it. Um, Africa certainly does also doesn't really fit into that mold because I mean, we've, our GDP per capita has gone negative since 2013. So. We're certainly not sitting at the same table as India and uh, and China.
0: No. In fact, Jim O'Neill, the Goldman Sachs analyst who coined the term BRICS, was utterly scathing initially about the fact that we muzzled our way in. And then he was particularly scathing about um, wanting uh, the BRICS currencies to have a central currency and a central bank. So, an interesting interview that he did with the Financial Times. There was a question that came through a little bit earlier um, in the uh, light of slow questions this evening on Renogen. Uh when is the date that it will list on Nasdaq? Um Jonathan, there is no date yet Yeah,
1: you know, I don't know the date. Um but just you know, just talking about listing on the Nasdaq, I think the company it's it's a good thing for Renogen to list on the Nasdaq. Often what we've seen is well, firstly it's a huge pool of capital, uh, America. So it tends to be a good thing when companies list On those markets, Um, something similar and a similar type of business, I think, to some degree, is a company called Montauk, which is also listed on the Nasdaq, Mm. and they're also involved in energy and so forth. So, you know, (coughs) excuse me, is a it's an interesting play. They're not making profits just yet, but there's certainly blue sky potential, and I think um, you know the, the the board and shareholders will be pleased at a Nasdaq listing. Um, as and when that does happen. But I'm not sure in the timing of that, Julieta.
0: Yeah. Um, Alex, uh, just talking about Renogen, uh, you know, it was the go-go stock of, I guess, 2022, earlier this year, it's come off considerably, and it's sort of settling just below 20 Rand a share. Do you think this is now the point at which the share kind of grows into, or the company grows into its share price? And maybe it's not a bad idea to buy it here.
2: Well, Renegin is an interesting company for South African investors because we're not really used to that many uh, Greenfields type of operations. Mm -hmm. And as a result, also the way we value this type of business. I mean, we tend to be more cautious, more conservative. One of the reasons why they want to list in the United States is to actually get easy access to capital. And also these US investors tend to pay much higher multiples or believe in a so-called blue sky scenarios, right? So with Renegin, um, they obviously had successful in, in a phase one, which is pretty much the proof of concept. Um, and now it's over to phase two where they need significant amount uh, of capital. Now, I think where they did disappoint a little bit was when they gave guidance on phase two, they did show some information where they think the EBITDA levels would be. And I think some anticipated to be higher. whereas they did hit back and say, well, you know, that was based on current pricing, when this is based pricing, go further and so forth. So if everything works according to what they are suggesting, then certainly there could be a interesting investment case, but it's mm-hmm. very high risk, these type of investments. And as a result, you... Um, and also I think the problem for me as an African investor is how much are we going to be diluted uh, going forward because they're going kind to of start favoring the United States investors and this will actually be book bills and, and so forth. Yeah. And that means you'll be diluted and, and that's a bit of an issue. One of the main reasons why the stock is also pull back uh, from its levels. But it's a very interesting story I think one that everyone should follow closely. Yeah. If you do have high risk tolerance you can certainly uh, have a much closer look at it but do understand that you know this is all about the project executions and so forth but Helium Does seem like a very interesting uh, commodity down the line, and I think if it is as good as I say it is, this asset could be worth a lot.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, to some extent you, you've, you have such sympathy for them because they're damned if they do and damned if they don't. You've got to get investors in to raise the capital to build the projects, but then that's going to be dilutive. So, you know, it's, you've got to have, uh, I suppose, investors with a particular mindset. Uh, Jonathan, you were talking about Montauk Renewables, uh, the code for the, for the um, guys in the control rooms, MKR. Is this one that you follow closely? Because it was very interesting. It was unbundled from HCI. And then I think at one point it had a market, I, I know, maybe it still does, had a market that was massively above that of HCI. You know, it, it, it does renewables from kind of landfills. Methane, uh, the, the, that's the gas it produces from landfills. It's a very complicated pricing uh, situation that it gets uh, in the US. So it's not an easy company to understand. Uh, I don't know how closely you look at it.
1: Not really, not really. I mean, I, you know, when, when you talk about Renogen and you talk about renewables... Um, Montauk was really the only one that I thought could be slightly comparable to some extent. Um but I know that um I think it was in the 6 months period ending June this year um actually the numbers declined um from the previous uh, 6 months. Um the revenue is down 28% from 100 million down to 72 million dollars. Uh, and EBITDA was down 70% as well. So, you know, I don't think it's it's a volatile share. I mean, you know, I think the, the chart probably tells you a story, but, you know, there were guys that made a lot of money in this uh, company when they got in early. Mm. Um, but I don't follow it closely, no.
0: Okay. A- Alex, is this one you look at at, or indeed HCI, which is also not a stock that comes up often on, on this program, And and it's quite curious to me that it doesn't.
2: Yeah, we look at both. Um, so starting with, with Montauk, so I remember about, I think it was in the George W. Bush era they in the United States, they created the, the renewable fuel standard. Um, so predominantly looking for transportation fuel to contain some form of renewable fuel. I think at that stage, that there was more ethanol for the farmers. But as things has gone on, now it's more into, into biogas, other types of renewable energy. Um, now the thing is about that, They've also created a whole economy or system run, but referred to as RINs. That's a renewable and numbers. And as you as you produce this renewable fuel and blend it, you, you get these RINs and you can sell it in the market, et cetera. So I don't understand all the dynamics that well, specifically the RIN pricing, is something I still battle a little bit with. Yeah. But it's certainly a very interesting business. Um, and um, also, um, they're investing for the future. I mean, they've got about 15 operating projects, I think, around the United States. They recently announced one that they're going to do some swine gas, etc. So this is pretty much a growth stock. Once again, you have to buy the blue sky and believe that the regulatory environment is going to remain in favour for this type of industry. Because if you take regulation away, you know this business can we have some serious problems overnight. Yeah. Um, regarding H- Hoskin, it was actually my stock pick last time I was on the show, and the main reason for that was the, the Venus, um, you know, oil and gas discovery they have made in, in Namibia. Please. Now, we should get some information on that in Q4, perhaps even Q3, and this could be bare material. Mm-hmm. For any investor that is interested in this, I would suggest that you read the latest annual report from um, okay. Uh The CEO, Johnny Copland, goes in quite a lot of detail there, Yeah. and specifically says that if this deal is successful, they could be debt-free. So, it shows you the extent of how material this stake is, yeah. and obviously looking to sell it because they don't have the capacity to, to develop those assets. Yeah.
0: I mean, Hoskin actually has had a phenomenal year on the JSC. If you consider where the rest of the market is, it's it's been, uh, you know, a stonker. Um, so getting to your stock picks tonight, uh, Jonathan, what's what's your fancy?
1: I fancy tobacco, even though I don't smoke. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> so no, it's British American tobacco. Um, you know, they, they released their half-year results on the 26th of July couple of weeks ago. Um, Their revenue came in at uh, £13.4 billion, which was up 4.4% from the previous reporting period. Um, NGP, this new generation products revenue, came in at £1.6 billion. That uh, now represents 12.3% of group revenue, uh, up from 10.5% this time last year. Adjusted EBITDA rose 6.6%. To 6 billion which represents a margin of 44.8 percent so it's a very high margin business
0: yeah
1: and um you know these new gen products are really coming to the fore um they're gaining critical mass as the loss in this division was only 12 million pounds from this time last year minus 222 million pounds yeah um the adjusted eps rose by eight uh, and a half percent 281 pence um you know, yeah. we at PSG we, we got a target price of eight hundred and twenty one Rand. Okay. Um so that's twenty five percent up from current levels. Yeah.
0: Okay. Jonathan, thanks. Um Alex, um if HDI was a recent pick for you, what are you going for this evening?
2: Yes, I'm going for another I think a small gap, and that's uh, Caxton Um so they should be releasing an update soon and we expect to have a solid total results from them. And um, for views that do like Value investing type of ideas. I do think they should no, look no further than Caxton. Um, and I'll tell you why. So, first of all, Caxton is a quite a cash flush business. So, that underpins the valuation of you. Also, they have invested quite a lot in working capital over the last couple of years. And some stage, that will be released and that will boost dividends, share buybacks, even corporate action. Talk about corporate action. Caxton owns, of course, a big stake in Impact, which is about 42% of Caxton's current market cap.
0: Yeah.
2: And Impact themselves deliver good results, and we think that business is well positioned. So, my point is, if you strip out the cash and Impact from the valuation, you get the rest of the business at a very attractive multiple. And this so-called core business of Caxton, which is primarily packaging, um, is actually still growing. It's not a stagnant business, and the streetcars are positive. So that business actually does have value, yeah. right? So it shouldn't be a Better close to zero, whatever, certainly no doubt. And so for us, Caxton offers a very high margin of safety. We believe patients will be rewarded here.
0: Yeah. And they certainly have a, an absolute cost hawk in Terry Um We shall leave it there. Alex, thanks very much for joining us. Jonathan, nice to see you. Alex Dace is from Umtumba Wealth. Jonathan Fisher is from PSG Wells. Center Grayson. Up next, The Close. Stay with us. <laughs>